Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Jesus and Paula Show, formerly known as the Paula Price Show, formerly known as the Hour of Prayer Power. (laughs) When we were on television, it was the first time, let's just talk, where God makes sense. And I tell you, we sat, and this is when, when you're with a trailblazer, your ear really has to be attuned to the voice of God. Because we would sit down and have all of these strategy sessions, creative sessions, she's laughing, Krishna, about the name. Let's just talk what God made sense. Now, Dr. Price said it, so let me just say this. When you are young, and we were younger then, so we were in our 20s where you know everything, all right? And anybody over 45 knows nothing because clearly they're out there. So she said, God said the show is Let's Just Talk where God makes sense. So (laughs) it became this whole subject of debate, not with Dr. Price, because, you know, what she says, God says something. I really didn't say that for a discussion or for a vote. It's more like an announcement. This is what God says. This is what we're doing. We have since learned, I think, about that. But anyway, it's a question. I don't know if let's just talk is cool enough. I don't know if it's, you know, snappy enough. I don't know if it's trendy enough. Oh, the wrong phrase to say to the trendsetter. The worst people to follow trends are the ones who start them. (laughs) Okay. So she said, don't you ever, all right, talk to me about trends. What's trending? That led to a whole cultural lesson and a whole demonic lesson and a whole don't be so easily seduced lessons and I'm concerned about my young prophets because they're so easily swayed lesson and ah right so instead let's just talk where God makes sense (laughs) and what I loved was that's what it was it was let's just talk let's just talk about it Dr. Price has always been a talking leader not just a talking head but a leader who talks to the people, talks to the Lord, and is a bridge of communication. Whenever uh, you look at the Soul of Success, our Soul Sundays, which now you can go and reserve your seat. You can go to www.drpaulaaprice.com. And uh, when you click on the Success Center, there's a drop-down. When you hover, there's a drop-down, and you'll need to click on that to go to the page where you can actually watch it. It's like a 90-second promo of some of the things that are addressed in this first four-part webinar, Soul of Success. And in that, she has engaging moments with the audience, a very funny comedic moment with Prophet Tala is hilarious, okay? The drama degree comes from a real place in the family tree. I'm just saying that if some people didn't end up being preachers, they might have been actors. Like, oh, it's really. And then Q&A, you'll see Profit and Training, Norma, actually in the promo. Have you seen the promo? You're in the promo. She's in the promo. She doesn't know yet. Where she's asking her question to Dr. Price and and, and just just very engaging and challenging and gut-wrenching. But it's 
deliverance. You cannot be delivered from something without going through the purge. And we want to be delivered by just feeling better, not actually purging the, the uh, toxicity in our soul. And so with the soul of success, we sit there, we have some of our audience here today, they're, they're always in Soul Sundays, and you sit there like, oh, I need Jesus in a higher level right now. But you know that you just had him in a higher level, which is, <laughs> which is why you need to pray. But it will straighten you out. Truly, if you want to be free, Lord have mercy today, if you want to be free, you will do what it takes to get free and stay free and fight for your liberty. And we're waiting for the somebody just anoint me, somebody just touch me so I can be good. But you have to do the work of liberty. You have to do the work of freedom because, honestly, you did the work to be bound. As much as we like to think you just wake up one day in bondage to something or addicted to something, it's not overnight. There were decisions that were, that were made over the years or over a, a season or a series of circumstances. There were things that you did, didn't do, what you avoided, what you did avoid, what you refused to think about, and now you can't uh, you know, help but have to deal with it. So you didn't get bound. And Dr. Price taught us this years ago, you didn't get bound overnight. You won't become free overnight because real freedom starts with ownership of your role in getting there. So let's just talk where God makes sense. Well, it started out Friday night, hotel room across from ORU, and we, we were so happy. And Dr. Price was in the hotel with none of us had cars. So we could just walk to church and walk to Friday night, and we would spend our Friday nights and let's just talk where God makes sense. And hearing her speak on whatever deep, deep realm of eternity she was coming from, and bringing it to a very real place where we live. We talked about real issues, aliens, capital punishment, cloning. I mean, we were running it down. Anything that was in the news, we could ask questions about theology challenges, explosions, questions, all of it. There really, there were no limits to where the questions could go. And can I tell you that Dr. Price always had an answer? And I sat there thinking, now this was 17 years ago when we started it. So I was thinking, how does she do that? Where is she pulling that from? I mean, she's not in her in a computer. She's not in books. It's and I remember thinking then, what in the world kind of preparation do you have to have to be able to do that? See, that's a setup from Jesus Christ. Let me tell you right now, that was a set up. Set up. So it was, let's just talk where God makes sense. So here we go all these years forward. We are taking it on with Paula Price. And now, well, we already have the Paula Price show, now the Jesus and Paula show, where she is still making God make sense. When you think about why so many Christians get stuck, maybe where you've gotten stuck in your Christianity over the years, when you hear these big celebrities and other people who have dabbled in this and dabbled in that, many times the breakdown is, but I ask questions and I do not get answers that made sense. It should make sense. Just that basic. And Jesus is a practical God. And he does make sense. We convolute him. Now, he could be a mystery and an enigma, wrapped up in a riddle, hidden, but he makes sense. And I appreciate this show and all the years that Dr. Price has plowed 
and pressed and pushed up against the opposition to see to it that God makes sense to his people. Because when something makes sense to you, you can grab a hold of it, can't you? You can run with that vision. You're like, oh, I got it. The more we learn about our pedigree on Sundays, oh, that makes complete sense. It's sense. God's pedigree, Satan's pedigree. Mm. She strips off the, the seduction, all of that as well. You're like, wait, what? 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 How did we get here? And so uh, this is, you know, we have up on the screen here, if you're watching on Facebook, the picture of the Prophet's Dictionary, because this is one of the first, you know, books that rolled out on the prophetic that hits a wider, wider body of Christ that makes the prophetic make sense. Why do you want to be here? You see here on the screen, register for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. It is in June, June 17th through the 20th, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Why do you want to register so that this whole prophetic era that we are in, the new era of apostleship, the prophetic, we're all in it together, so it makes sense to you, and you know what to do with it as a prophet, as an apostle, as a prophetic or apostolic saint. You don't have to sit in one of the offices to benefit from the information. But that's why you need to come, where the prophetic makes sense, making God's future make sense. That's what we will be dealing with this year. I mean, we deal with the Lord's sense somewhere every time we come together. But this is why you need to hustle and get to T-Town and make it happen, because gone are the days where we can say, oh, you know, we just have another season, another time, another era, another dispensation. No, we don't. We really, really don't. The time is now. And so let's go here and look at um, the soul of success. We talked about that. Making 2020 the year that you will unlock your soul's secret to success. Woo! Unlock it. And unlocking takes work. And it takes something that uh, Dr. Price has been really pushing on us as apostles and prophets in particular. It takes you wanting to know the truth having truth on the inward parts, and then going after it, because you won't be free. 3D, the book, 3D, Soul Success. She teaches that you, there's so many different levels, what did you say, three or four types of truth that you go through in order for that deliverance to happen. Are you ready for the screen? Yes. I'm appreciating you talking about, you know, the 3D and the truth, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I guess she's, all, are you all set? They give you the stuff, and that while you all are working out, mm -hmm. I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about the fact that in this era, those who know their God, you have to really know God. Last week we talked about the mind of the mind in general, definitely. Yes. We're going to talk about the mind of Christ too, but eventually going into the future because we we, we kind of touted. I have the mind of Christ. Yes. Do you know? Yes. yes. So what is that? And, and we take, you know, the Christians, because of our one-sided uh, history of listening only and learning only by listening and not by questioning or trialing or even implementing, we just stop that listening. So our ears are over to, super tuned to just hearing stuff. We just hear stuff and we run with it as if what we hear is gospel. Mostly because we've been trained to trust the speaker no matter what. We trust, we trust our speakers without vetting them. We trust our speakers without researching who they are. We trust our speakers based on what they make us feel and their popularity. 
these big ministries that you're in love with, you haven't vetted those speakers. You're, you're, you literally are assessing them according to their popularity. Well, that many people can't be wrong. I don't know a whole uh, population died in the flood. Eight, the, the minority survived. Can we talk about that? So, I mean, if we're going to use that, God had eight people that did it his way. And he was okay with rescuing and preserving only eight souls. Those eight souls were so important to God that when Jesus went to hell, he went to get them. He told hell you couldn't have them on earth and you can't keep them down here. So when we use those numbers, like, I'm not impressed. You know, she talked about me not being, I'm terrible with trends. Please don't tell me that this is the sign. I don't really care. When I say I don't, I, I didn't care at 14. So I kind of think that might be my nature. At 14, everybody was wearing all of these sharp clothes, you know, and they were wearing, you know, we, at my 14, it was the cowboy boots and the, in Jersey. Okay, not Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy boots and the Wranglers were just coming out. And in the beginning, I wanted to be like everyone else. And then I went to school one day, and everybody behind had Wranglers. Something that bothered me because I am not, you know, leaders cannot be comfortable with the norm. Not, not founding. Founding leaders, galvanizing leaders, catalyzing leaders cannot be comfortable with the norm. So as I, I, I grew up, I decided I didn't want to look like everyone else. I just didn't want to look like it. I mean, you know, you've heard my story about me and jeans. I refused to wear jeans because everybody bought into the jeans thing. I said, I don't even know what devil can convince somebody that we all have to look the same at work on the bottom deck. I'm not a trend. I'm a trendsetter. I'm always going to be the one that's going to do the difference. I'm going to set the trend. I'm, I'm breaking. I'm sure not. And Lord knows as a kid, I was a real world breaker. I often ask God, so what? What was it about me that you thought you could, what? So I teach my church, you know, because people come and they want us to look like everybody else. I'm like, if you say Dr. Paula A. Price, look for different. So we're not going to look like everybody else. We're not going to all say something like we just got off the farm, off the cabbage patch. You know, looking like, being like the people we want to change. I think that is the most ridiculous um, objective. That agenda was really, let us be like everybody we want to change. So when they look at us, they say, change. I'm thinking, what kind of psychological delusion is that? So I look like everybody, everybody looks like me, and we all say we changed and we different. I'm like, we need prayer in a major way. And so I, I never would. But like, even when I write, I purposely make myself not write the exact same thing the same way for the same reasons, etc., all the time. Because we go from glory to glory, face to face, face to face, hope to hope. God is always moving to the next level. We serve a next level God, not because he's not there, but because he came back together. Many of us do not even understand salvation. Salvation is not because Jesus needs to be saved. Jesus was never lost. He never lost. He never lost his seat at King of Kings. He just set aside. I gotta go, go get my kids. Gotta go get my family. And I got to go back and get. I got to go get the keys. These keys to hell and death. I gotta go get them. And so he set aside. And it is really the fact of the, the 
fundament of the gospel that Jesus was never lost. But he was a sin. No, no, no. He wore, he bore our sin. He was a sin bearer. That's very different than a sinner. So in order for him to offload our sin, get those eight souls and, uh, and the Abrahamic covenant folks that he had and, you know, all the people who didn't get a free path like Enoch, he went to hell. I need you to think differently about your salvation. The reason that people are confused today is because you're not thinking differently. You're working for sameness. Now, there's a lot that needs to be improved. I'm going to tell you, but, and there's a ton of stuff God got people to do it right. But I'm here to tell you that if you're not going from glory to glory, if you're still listening to the same sermon you've been listening to for 10, 15 years by the same preacher who hasn't gotten a different revelation. You may not be lost, but you stuck. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> we made a mistake this morning. We gave Apostle Ashley a bell. Come on. So, but think about your stuff. You don't know any more about God than you did the day you walked in that church. You go home every Sunday and you feel good. You think what you feel is good when all you feel is familiar. As a matter of fact, you will not go back to a church that makes you feel uncomfortable. You call it uncomfortable when it's unfamiliar. So you don't want to leave what you find familiar because you think there's safety and familiarity. And it should be. And if we didn't have a devil, it would be. But there is such a thing called familiar spirit. And many people, you're stuck. Because a familiar spirit is bound to that house, that location, it can just be the ground. But what you don't want to be is anywhere unfamiliar. And when we talk about being somewhere unfamiliar, we really are talking about moving to the next level. We're not saying your preacher is wrong. We're not saying your church is wrong. The problem is you 25 years here the same message. You probably got out, you, I mean, you probably just getting out of high school. Maybe just getting your first job and you haven't got promoted. Do you know not a lot of people want to stay in the same job, do the same thing forever, amen, until Jesus comes and death speaks of you. So you have got to get to a place where you stop being herded with buzzwords like trends. That's a herd term. We used to say herd. In, in, in the meeting room, they call you a herd. But in public on the broadcast, they tell you you're a trend. Still hurt. And what I like about being, a, being an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ is that I can stand and pierce the darkness of the apostles of darkness. So I'm telling my people come and say, oh, Dr. Christ, we got this, we got uh, uh, No. No. And I'm nice about it sometimes. Let me just beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but, but Jesus came to bring the difference. He did not come to bring the same. He came every step of the way. He kept telling me, I'm different, and you ought to be too. I am not like the world. He said, I am not of this world. Neither are you of this world. 
And he goes on and he says all of these magnificent things that today's church doesn't want to discuss. Why? Because our theology has become the theology of the herd. Don't be different. And even if you hear a different sound, you treat it as a, a, a night with you, uh, the rest of your favorite restaurant where you get a different dessert. When you go back, you'll have the same thing. You know, I tell everybody, I still eat the same thing 40 years later. After, I don't even know. When I go to Red Law, me and Red Law, 40 years. I'm, that's, I'm not going to be, I don't care. And I tried different three times in three different locations, and they disappointed me. I'm going back to what I know. So I understand about being hooked on the familiar. I understand that. But when it comes to your soul salvation, when it comes to where you will spend eternity, when it comes to the deity that you have chosen to guide you from here to there, you need to be different. All of the fallen angels appear different when they're not. They are various. They vary the same thing. They fluctuate, but they're not different. They don't break away from their basic fundamental norms. They are the same. When you get past it, the devil is the same. He is the same with your clothes off and your clothes on. He's the same when you're high and when you're sober. He's the same when you're rich and when you're poor. He's the same when you're sick or you're well. He's the same whether you're converted or perverted. It doesn't matter. He doesn't change. He doesn't change because he can't. They have no change apparatus. They have no change facilities. They have no change aptitude. They cannot change. Because spirits can't change, which is why you must be born again. You have to kill a spirit. The soul can be converted because it's malleable. But the spirit is hardwired. And if it was just hardwiring that we were talking about, that would be sufficient. But no, we're talking about hardwired genetic generative energy. Your spirit is how everything is started. For God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your spirit is how it starts. Now, if you want to get an expanded discussion on this, listen to my Sunday stuff. And then when you're done, go to my store, my online store, hallelujah, and get the pedigree teaching. Because you have to understand the, the, literally the technology of theology. Theology has a technology that has been secured. The mysteries of God. Come on, wait, I need a bell. Hey, do your job. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to have a bell, ring a bell. <laughs> the, the mysteries that we're looking for, and I did it. I will do a teaching, probably a pop-up on the study on the, the Greek word for mystery. But the mysteries of God include technology. These are the mysteries of the faith. This is the mystery of the, the gospel. This is the mysteries of Jesus Christ. These are the things that are kept secret from the foundation of the world. These are the mysteries of, of, of God, the secret things that belong to God that he's given to the children of men. Mysteries include technology by definition. It includes mechanics. By definition. So you've had theology, and you what's been told mystery, told to you that were mysteries were nothing but reiteration of theology. Apostles are, are, are made stewards of the mysteries of Christ, the mysteries of God. 
the secret. Think about Moses. He ended up being an apostolic prophet, which they, they call him apostle, in his own right. And you know what he brought up? The mystery. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. What? There was a beginning? You realize the average kid does not think about how the world began. You got to tell them the world had a beginning. There's a God? What's a God? A God? What is that a person? What is it? And tells you that the pre-created state of the world, void, no darkness is on the face of the dead, like a vacuum, and a vacuum of turbulent beings. Not just climatic darkness, but inhabitant darkness. So we talk, we're having a great time, aren't we? And so it's a, it, it, was a, it was a prophet, but what was it? Moses didn't just say the earth was made, it's round. See, all of the science, scientists, Galileo didn't have to tell us how it was made, just told us how it was round. <laughs> scientists can only give you the after talk. God gives you the pre-talk. So it, 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 it cracks me up because they both are saying, well, if it's not seen, if we haven't had the pre-talk, y'all, every theory you got, you started out with nothing. That's Nahilo. Theories start at Nahilo. You get a germ of an idea, you break your neck for 25 years to find out whether or not it has merit and, and, and whether it's react real, and you have never dawned on you that you can only approve it after it's done. You are after the fact. Science is always after the fact, and it tells you we, we exist to be after the fact. And then when we don't have the fact, we just make it up after we realize we don't have the fact. <laughs> Trust me, I love watching science shows. I listen to the language of these people, and I thought, and we really, we really, what? We really bought into this? Well, who can really say, and yet you, you are presenting it as gospel. You have never seen an entity evolve. Now, you've seen the stage one, stage two, and stage three, but you have never seen, you have never thrown a bunch of silverware on the floor and get a world. You never had. You're still throwing stuff down, getting no world. Because you deal with the facts. You can't really tell us cause. You tell us the process of an ultimate effect. And, and, and I'm here for, for Jesus Christ. Apostles of Jesus Christ is about Jesus. People say, Dr. Christ, how do you get this stuff? I let him talk. The man's got a lot to say. You God, I mean, I'm thinking he's been around forever. I mean, I pass out before he finishes a good sentence. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, I love this. I'm wrong. Wake up. Okay, so God, what were we saying? And you know, God doesn't stop. You know why he doesn't stop? Because he's he, he spirit. He's talking to my spirit. He said, you'll get it when you wake up. Sure enough, I wake up, I'm flush with new ideas, new revelations, and unfolded mysteries. I don't tell God he doesn't exist. And, and, and if, I, if, if that's not the case, some of you say that, but I don't tell God he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, God, you can't. God's a can't. No, can't is a word I reserve for y'all. Can't goes with the fault. <laughs> So when we talk about our sovereign, our savior, 
And we talk about that. And when they say, well, I'm sorry, I don't believe there's a God. Yes, you do. You just think you're it. Oh, okay. See, you, have, you, you are the self-deified one. You think your institution is God and it's had more mistakes than ever. You know, I keep saying this. I need every Christian to get this word. If you're a Christian, thinking about becoming a Christian, long-time Christian, brand-new Christian, I want you to hear this. Science has never, ever, ever uncovered Adam, not Adam 1, nor Adam 2. The Adam that God made was thoroughly denigrated and mutated when he when he failed the test. So we don't know what a pristine version of the human being looks like. Not we only know the dead one. We only know the doomed version. That's why every time you start checking us out, all you find is disease, decay, and deformity. I got this big man to look at Jesus and Paul or so. Hey, Jesus is talking. We let him talk. I figured if he's going to show up, we're going to get to our feeling he needs to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you, you know, you are listening to people who are talking about the lost version, the dead version, because the first version did not, did not bleed red blood. So you'd have had a tough time trying to analyze that anyway. The last Adam didn't take the heaven red blood. He didn't leave his body on the planet for you to find his bones. He jumped right back in that skin, Holly, and he took all the cloths with him. Some angels are like, wait a minute, just a minute, most high, we click. Come on, we got to get everything. <laughs> years and years that they could find the cave that he was in. Because he probably, you know, Jesus, he's been in the world and just go relocate stuff. <laughs> you know, it's probably sitting over there in some little island that we have never found. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, because I'm, and he's, looking, he's looking down the line. He knows the power that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to the planet and what we will do with that power, the creative energy, that is, uh, innovative energy that uh, experimental scientific he knew that he said I'm not leaving them out no you have to build so much I mean we and I believe somebody's going to do it in the next 25 to maybe 50 years but you have to build a lot of instruments to tap into the above dead version of humanity that would be us for we have passed from death to life and then do it and so Jesus wants to tell you, but he wants to tell you personally because he wants the Holy Ghost to be the one to, to confirm his word and his voice praise. So everybody else can talk death all day long. The world can't stop doing death. Did you ever notice that? I mean, you, it cracks me up. Christians want to raise and do the world. I'm like, they only can, the world can only kill, still and destroy. He said that. They can't do that. It took Jesus Christ, the Christian church, to bring life and well-being and good deeds for good reasons into existence. Devils do good, good deeds. Yeah, they do. They do it to seduce you. They do it to confuse you. They do it to, to recover you or to 
kill you. They don't do good deeds because they have a better place. Then Satan knows he doesn't have a better place. When we started out, we found him not in a better place. <laughs> in the beginning, God, he's in a tree. God, he's in a tree. Where's the better? The planet he had totally devastated. Some sort of cosmic event destroyed it. And he and, the, and his plan, are, the darkness is on the face of the deep. How is he? Now, where is he getting the better from? I just want to know. Don't you want to know? I want to know. See, we need people to start asking the God questions. And not human questions. I don't start with a question about the rejectors. The rejections are too much. See, the rejectors are the norm. The defenders, we're the rarity. And like a rare stone, we're better than the hope diamond. We're better than the greatest pearl in the world. Because we ask the questions that count, and we ask questions to get answers that make change. Not to confirm, not to comfort. We ask questions. Oh, somebody's going to hear me. So most, of, most, most Christians are like, well, my science teacher, you mean your science teacher who died like you? Who <laughs> was just out with the cold like you were? <laughs> I keep telling you, I, I like science. Scientific people, I love y'all. I'm But let's call a spade a spade. And let's call past tense, past tense. Because you have to, you have to, and then you hit that wall where you're like, well, I'm sorry, I just refuse to believe. But that's fine. Don't tell me it's not so because you got a belief issue. <laughs> Before a chair was a chair, it was dirt. Can we go back to the dirt and find out what article brought us chairs? God can. We get out there. I love this one. One day I have to find I think it's um, that's fine that scripture. But God, you know, we got black holes and we, you know, star star clusters and carrying on. All of that is doomed. That's why they're dead stars. That's why, and you know, it's bad when the stars die. <laughs> <laughs> we got hope the stars are dying. We, oh Lord, even the stars don't have eternal life. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! Stars are everlasting. Where's the everlasting stars? You're not finding them. They are the ones that are keeping the dead ones under arrest. Oh, They're the ones that are seeing that the, that the stars, that they expire at the right time. Oh. oh. Is that? There you go. How about a moment? And it is so. See, we never see, you never think like that. The stars don't have the turn the stars don't get born again. Oh, Jesus. Only up. God says in Job, the heavens are not pure in God's eyes. Mm. And he charges them with error. And so you think that's Mike and Gabe. You don't, you, it doesn't cross your mind, see? Read your Bible. Connect the dots. You didn't know it said that, did you? That even the heavens are not pure in his eyes. Wait a minute, God, because we've been taught that the heavens are perfect and whatever until you remember. I like the science people, so I'm giving y'all a plug. I like the science people. The science people going to show you that the universe is chaotic, it's desert, it's the worst neighborhood in creation. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
that neighborhood. Talk about fire. I mean, a baby star is fortunate if they can get from one end to the other. But I'm being gobbled up by something old. Because they need they dying, they need new life. Wow. And I know you never thought about the little side I'm like, you know, I tell my personal my personal funny is the people who said the universe. What part, baby? Because I'm when I'm happy you all wouldn't live in the universe anymore and you live in a bad neighborhood. Right. <laughs> he says the heavens are not pure in his eyes. And he charges the star, his messengers, with error. Bible, read your book. I'm going to come up with a read your Bible song. (laughs) (laughs) Get it from the source truth. And and he talked about, he said, I will punish the world and the heavens, separating them for the wickedness they've done. When I'm done, I'm done with all of this. See, you all are so busy trying to live forever as doomed vessels, you don't understand that you've got to shed this vessel to get into the glories of God. And you don't shed it because you want to. You shed it because you earn the right to. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know she's going to have fun. Y'all be, y'all be praying for popularity because she likes that thing. She's trying to be on cute. She's on cute. Because, see, now you don't have to text me and say, it's something, the wizard, the slap is You didn't hear anything, the whole show. Right? I, I do, I get it. I, come on, let me get you. All right. All right, did I lose anything? Am I still, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Now, in, in Isaiah, guess what else he says? He says, I call every star by name and none of them is missing. There's no such thing as a lost star or a death star in God's world. He has a whole registry of every star that came into existence that will come. They're not lost. Okay, who is that? I know it's one of my people. Well, he said, I've never taken notes in my life. Someone say heart Because, you know, we're prophets. You know, that's because we are prophets if we don't have the answers. Yeah. And we're the first ministers and officers God ever shared his time with. We have a problem. He said not one star is missing. That is so against the grain of Christ. Because he said, I call everyone by name. Now, if that was enough, Jesus said, and when I get ready to come, I'm sending out my reapers who are going to gather my elect from the heavens and the earth. So when you think about it, and I'm thinking, but, but, the, but the devil is sending this yarn, the anointed cherub that redesigned his anointing is called Star of the Morning. He still got the same name, Lucifer, Morning Star, Light Bearer. You know, a lot dimmer. Can you remember? Yeah, a little night light, pin light, lost that, that, that sunlight because he had access to the. Come on. And so he still has a name, and we're still using that name and all of the other names God threw on him when he dropped them. Star. So he's still around. Where's everybody else? He's still got an army. So how can
Could any be missing? So why am I going this direction? Because those who know their God, we need to stop preaching the devil's doctrine. We keep pre- preaching the losing and the loser's gospel. We keep preaching it like it's the gospel. We can't even, we can't even tolerate it. You know, God, God's word be like, oh, you be like, I'm just kind of, oh, give me something. And I, 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 somebody. <laughs> Some of you all are like, I got to go lay down. We talked to one of your friend visitors last week. She said, I got to go home and sleep on this before I get eat. <laughs> she, said, I, she said, I feel like I ate a great meal. I got to go home and go to bed now. Why? Because you are very much full of and framed for the familiar. And the familiar is you don't have to think deep about God till you die. You don't have to serve him. All you need to do is keep your name on the rolls. Not sure what roles that would be. <laughs> I'm sure you. I'm sure we should. He said we were the right. You were, Peter said the right righteous will scarcely appear. He didn't say boldly, blatantly. He didn't say firmly, solidly. Scarcely, scarcely mean the garage door is coming down. You drop on the floor. You rolled under it just before it hit the ground. That's scarcely. That thing is not stopping, and you know you better roll quickly. And so, and as soon as you get on the other side, you hit a bang. And you're like, oh, what do you say? I just made it. Now, that's the right. That's not even a, 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 a fire person. That's the whole Okay? This is just, I lived right. I stayed with Jesus. I did what I, did what I could do the best I could do. I have made it. I'm, I'm the scarcely that's appearing. And I'm scarcely appearing under the garage door. Think about it. And then we got the just by fire, meaning you were standing there and God decided that there was something useful about you. Those are usually deathbed people. Jesus, I live my life. Please don't let me burn forever. That's just by fire. Jesus, I did you bad. You know, because some of y'all need to do that. Some of y'all fighting disease and you think God's going to heal you. You think that the reason that people are praying for you is to get you healed and not to get you resurrected. <laughs> See, when he said, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, he didn't promise to raise you up. He didn't promise to, he, he didn't promise to heal you. He wants to raise you up. The sickness should take you down. But God wants the elders to anoint you so that you can have ears to hear, eyes to see, and an understanding heart. So you can, your last minutes on earth, you can change your ticket. That's why it's weird. Like some of you all, you in these hospices are carrying on and you won't listen and people are coming in there and I'm, I know I'm making it. And no, you don't because whatever makes you sick is still on you. Otherwise, you'd be well. Oh my. Your family, you got some, they on the machines and carrying on, or take some oil. Lay hands on your family. Lay hands on your relatives and ask the Lord to have mercy. If the Lord has mercy, they will open their eyes long enough for you to know he heard. Mm-hmm. I don't care how deep the coma, because God's a just God. He's a righteous God. But see, my job is to tell you how he works. I love Apostle Ashley. I already told her she gets 
four or five more honorable, honorable mentions, and then she doesn't get any more. <laughs> when she said, apostles are experts in all things Jesus Christ. That's in the book. I said, okay, daughter, you got it four, four or five more times after that, I'm not going to remember. Don't even ask me. I'm overseas. <laughs> but that's true. God came to make 12 people expert in him. He came to make them his experts. Not religion, not church, not all of the things that we're doing, psychology, politics, all of that are part of the expertise of apostleship. But we have to know which ones can do them all, and not all of them can do them all. Some of them can only do the church. Some can only do the world. Some can do both well. Some can do neither well and can only handle people. He gave some of us. You're going to, I'm telling you, this is amazing because you have to learn. I, when God told me, first of all, I'm the person that if I'm going to do it, I'm all in or I'm not in. I, I, I've been that way all my life. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm your friend to the end. When you, when you make me stop doing that, and it takes a lot, they will tell you. I don't, it's like somebody writes it out of my brain. I don't even remember. Who? What? Oh, Why? Because I don't waste my emotions. I treat my emotions like my budget. I got to budget them for a whole lifetime, so I cannot let you fuck them all up. Some of you all with your dating and mating and this one, this week and that one, that one. You are expensive. And you, want, you meet the right person. You, can't, you have no emotional reserves to give them what they deserve. I, I budget my, that's something God told me when I was 20, in my 20s. He said, you know, you're going to live a long time. Now, I didn't know with God, I would have said, haunch and the voice. <laughs> Sure. He didn't, he didn't, I didn't get his first name to way down the line. Didn't know God had a name. There isn't God a name? That's a name, right? That's a name. And he said to me, when I was in my 20s and I was just coming out of a divorce and I was getting ready to go and, you know, like they said, get back out there. I never know where there is and why it's out there. <laughs> but when it's, where it's out there, we don't even know. That's how you know it's a frontier you don't want to be in. <laughs> And so I was ready to do that, and, and the, the Lord, was, I mean, he just talked to me, and he said, you're going to live a long time. He said, and you're going to need these emotions to get you through many ups and downs and trials and life. He said, and even joy, because you can expend your emotions so much, you can't even pull up joy. That's when you need a psychologist. You have overtaxed your emotional reserves. You have nothing else, and you don't do anything else to replenish them, but repeat the, the same thing that depleted them. So he taught me. He said, budget your emotions because you just can't. And, so, and they'll, they'll tell you, I don't get hyped over much of anything. And that's years of learning to give every event, every incident, and every situation the right emotional response. No more, no less. Now, I learned that in the 20s. I didn't, nobody, I didn't go to counseling. Nobody told me. The Holy Ghost said, by the time you get there, he says, like so many people, when they hit their middle age and their later years, they have no emotional reserve to give anything. They don't like anything. They don't appreciate or prove anything. They have no desire, no yearning. Why? Because you use it all playing the field out there. 
or spending it on a family that's gone and happy and you by yourself. Yeah. But that's a whole other thing. We'll talk about that and let's talk Soul Sunday, which is this week. Because we, half of the reason why you can't get excited about anything. You can't even feel love any longer. You can't feel love. You All you can feel is disappointment, which means disappointment is the basement of depression. Oh. I thought, yeah. <laughs> you go ahead. I like it. I like it. He's on today. I told you, listen, you're going to get the top feeling. I need you to stop. He's like more than rest, more than able. Jesus is like, I will talk to y'all. And remember, Paul talked for three days. Man fell down, broke his neck. Paul healed him. He came back in the church. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I just won't be sitting in the window any longer. Paul's like, you stay here with me. I don't need you falling. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk to you today. I think I laid out some interesting concepts and foundations. So I want to talk to you today about something that is near and dear to my heart and God's heart. Because in my world, if it's near God's heart, it's near mine. You like that? Today's Christless Church, an ecclesial orphanage. The church is not only orphan, it's out of God's orbit. And so if the church has fallen under somebody anybody, nobody. Somebody ought to do it, like a wandering star. He, and, and, and James had problems with that, James and Jude, that we would not become wandering stars because that's what all of those fallen angels are and they're around. Angels are prince, angels, those that God has put in control. They're principality. Principality means a realm. The realm suggests a world. And they're wandering, you know, and, and bumping into us and bumping into each other, running a muck all over each other, which is what you see signified in the computer graphics of those science programs attempting to depict the universe. And, they, and of course, they got them from their shuttles and all of their little floating, you know, photographer machines. Now, so, but the church has become an orphan. And I'm going to show you today what that feels like, what that looks like. So John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So God establishes orphanhood as beginning in the spirit realm beginning with the deity. He's implying deities beget humanity on some level. Well, we know that to be true from Genesis 6 when you read your Bible. <laughs> and don't read those little play, play fluff, fluff Bibles. Get you something in between King James and the message. We, we prefer the, um, what is it, the Holman Christian Study Bible, HCSB. Out of all of them, I also enjoy the ISV, which is the International Standard Version. So you can, you can have some. Now, if you really want to get play-play, you can get CEV, the Contemporary English Bible, and it's play-play. Not all the grades, but hey, 
you know, just starting with A is for Apple, B is for Bible, C is in Shanaan the Sand, then you call back. <laughs> you probably want to start with C. If you're a little bit above CEV, we have the Bible in basic English, BBE. That's a good, good little, you know, between HCSB and ISB and the CEV. Play play. Play play is A is for Apple, B is for Bible. Can I read it? <laughs> well, I understand. So I tell you this so you understand. Now, my personal favorite, and they have others, but the most, uh, the simplest uh, software I have found over the last 10 or so years is eSource. Yeah. eSource is what all apostles and all the prophets need to have. Now, we used to have something called, uh, I forget, the PC Study Bible. And, but, you know, that's very expensive. You know, most of us, we, we know. You, I mean, if you're going to be a high scholar, if you're a professor in a university, go for it. For everyday people, eSource. You go to eSource, you click the button, it's down there. When it downloads, it, you open up the place where it says Bibles and Commentary, and you just click on, 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 on what you want. I love eSource. And you can get all kinds of stuff. My computer is loaded. For example, John 4.18, in some translations, said, I will, I will not leave you comfortless. But if you don't study the word comfortless, you don't know it means orphan. Because whoever that translator was could not reconcile comforter with orphanhood. But Jesus did. Here's what he understood. Jesus is, I have been with you. I have literally interposed myself between the gods of your father and your mother and your everyday life. They, they are the spirit that literally... Uh, went into the sperm that begot you. Uh, we know that. Well, we know between Genesis 6, we also know that when the serpent or when Satan, who was in that serpent, left that particular form, he entered Adam's body. When he enters Adam's body, Adam goes into his wife after they have fallen and God's gone, so there's no guardian to kick him out. And so he enters his wife and his firstborn is Cain. And if you don't find out until we get all the way down, so you need to read the whole Bible, we get all the way down there to First uh, John, and it says Cain is of the wicked one. And so God has two, two prototypes of wickedness, <laughs> a progenitor of darkness called Cain and a perverter of the prophetic called Balaam. So when you see those two, you're dealing with issues that God has over because those were inseminated. And so when you, when you think of it, just to let you know, because you, you read your Bible, see, and you need Bible study. You know, I'm trying to get some time to give you all, I want to have a weekly Bible study with you all so that we can really go from, the, I'm talking about apostles and prophets uh, and anybody who wants to, you know. But what you need to understand is that in God's world, spirits, into sperms, sperms connect with eggs. Eggs bring the soulish realm into the reproductive process. So he's saying, I came to earth as the God of God. Now, I still can't get in you, but I'm with you. Mm -hmm. 
uh, walked with you or talking with you, but, the, but, but we're working out a plan, and the plan is that you're going to have a new God. I will walk in them. I will talk in them. Uh, he said that I will put my law in their minds and in their hearts, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And we just think that's, what is that, poetic prose? No, there's a technology happening there. <laughs> There's no, you know, we don't need the poetic prose. So we, we remember the technology of theology. That is the buzzword of the century. That is the statement of the century. That is the Christian doctrine, Christian dogma, Christian revelation statement of the century. It will define this century, and as a result, we will find those born of God. So he's talking. Even though he's speaking it abstractly, it sounds very, you know, very poetic, you know, allegorical. But it's very, it is very allegorical. But, but if you don't know history and if you don't know the ways of God and the orders of his kingdom, you just say, well, okay, so I won't be left comfortless. And you'll say orphans should be changed to comfortless. But see, let me tell you, a nice, and trust me, we know that I got to break, a nice warm bed can comfort you. We have all a whole set of linen called comforters. <laughs> okay, you cozy. There you go. Cozy up to your comforter. So Jesus is more than a comforter. He's more than a blanket on you. And we all know you don't need a blanket in the summer. So where is Jesus? What does he do now? Is he out of work? Laid off? We don't know. So orphan is the correct word. Write that in your Bible. I don't care what your translators thought. Just like when I talk Sunday, when you listen to Sunday, you'll hear me say it again and again. Spirit in, in Genesis, where it said man became a living soul in Genesis 2, and some of the, these translators put spirit, strike that. That is wrong. And it's wrong if you know the whole story. So strike that. There are a whole lot of things that I told God if I had to, edit or annotate my own, I would take a whole lot of that out because it all ignores these fundamental eternal truths. God was God was the first one to beget an offspring in, the, in this world. His offspring betrayed him. Another spirit, another deity came in. So Jesus is like, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So he said, I'm leaving you. And what we don't know is that the Holy Spirit who was with Jesus was extended to keep them. Now, why is he saying that? Because he said, I brought you away from, I took you away from your familial progenitor, deity, divine progenitor. I brought you away from that. You're no longer, you know, uh, under the auspices and the dominion of the God that your father served and that was in his son. You're no longer under the dominion of the deity that was in your mama's head. And the two of them together created you. So you have a little mom, little dad, and we don't know what else. So that is why people must be born again. You keep thinking you get born again to go to church. And then the church opens up the doors and lets you in. They call it salvation. How many of you know that? That's not God. So what happens is you must be born again because God has to get the spirit, the, the part of you that was safe in Christ before the salvation of the 
been born again. You can sit in church. You can do good deeds. You can whatever. God will appreciate your good deeds. I want you to understand. The Lord will take your product. Then serve him well. And he still will tell you, I never knew you. You know, you've read it. Like, what do you mean you never knew me? I never got a chance to walk in you, to talk in you, to make you my offspring, to be your God. That never happened. While you were doing your good deeds, while you were handing out your tracts, while you were chasing people up and down the road to make them get saved, while you were violating them when they came to a restaurant to get lunch, you never took time. You never took time to invite me in you. You know, we told you that your salvation is inviting Jesus into your heart. No, it's not. Salvation is allowing Jesus to switch your heart from the heart of the deities that were in your mom and dad's reproductive material. Okay, the technology of theology. For him to switch that heart out, he said, because i got to give you a new heart. And I have to give you a new spirit. And then to make sure Satan doesn't have a comeback plan or doesn't work his comeback plan on you, i got to put my spirit in there. Because, <laughs> you know, he's a fighter to the end. Yeah. And he doesn't have any choice. He better do his job. So those of you who said the sinner's prayer, you know, I said it's Sunday, and God must be going to do a mass revival because he keeps, he won't let me let it go. If you said the sinner's prayer and you said, Jesus, come into my heart, I want you to understand that unless God did a preemptive, sovereign, eminent domain thing, you're not saved. If you can't, got off that floor and they told you live life as usual, don't worry about it, the Holy Spirit will do the rest, you need to understand the Holy Spirit can't put himself in a dirty heart, in a dirty vessel. He will tolerate the soul because he will change the heart and by it send the, 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 the bloodline of the new spirit into your heart to convert your soul. But that comes with words, obedience, and prayer. So many of you said that prayer, you went to youth group or whatever, and then you said, I don't understand why I can't stop doing this or I can't get rid of it because you don't have the power. You have a form of godliness, but the power comes from the Holy Ghost. The power comes from your new heart and your new spirit. So when you go home tonight, just say, Jesus, I don't know if that woman is on or not, to be honest with you, but I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> you know, I have to do it with a little, I'm a little bit concerned, Lord Jesus. So if I'm yours, then show me. If I haven't, then tell me what to do. The first thing you must do to release this magnificent, supernatural, surgical event process is to repent. If all you said was Jesus come into my heart and you never repented, you are not saved. <clears throat> because the Bible says that without repentance, there's a remission of sin. I'm probably going to be on this all year long because he's on it. He's hot. You know, so Jesus is waiting for you to repent. You cannot repent if you have not come to terms with your stuff. If you have an own up to not just your sinful act, but your sinful nature and your condition, you have got to do that. Without repentance, there is no remission of sin. So first thing you must do is repent. 
Well, what do I repent of? Just you, you repent of being born of the parents who didn't repent. You repent of being born of the parents who played with other deities in college, in school, in high school, on Halloween, all of Halloween and carrying on. See, all of those things, you have to repent. Yeah, but I didn't ask for it. Yeah, but you can also didn't ask for y'all and this, this, and that. So it's all right. And you treat it. So go treat yourself. And so, it's, it's, so the heart. Now, once you ask, once you repent and ask God for forgiveness for being born the way you are, then God will begin to do and act on Ezekiel 36 and John 3. Because that's how people are born again. So Jesus said, okay, I primed you all. They are now primed by Jesus' presence. They're kept by his spirit. He said, I kept them in you. And both of them, they have not known you. When God said you have not known him, that means that you've heard of him externally. You've not in, ingested him or assimilated him internally. So Jesus is like, but I'm going to leave. The cross is happening. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be on this cross. They're going to kill me. I'm going to hell. And I'm going to be gone for three days. And for three days, the devil is going to try whatever. So y'all need to stay together in one place. So we're up to the place that I put a guard. I've set a guard, the upper room, I've set a guard, a spiritual guard around it. So he goes, and he says, the, the gap, that three-day gap means they are without a God. They're not godly. They're without a divine being or deity of God that has produced them or reproduced them. So he says, so you may feel like orphans because of God. But understand, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm bringing the best you, the superlative you, with me. And I'm coming back in my pervasive form instead of my individual form. I'm coming back as the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is bringing the, the, the part of you that was in me. I'm sitting on the throne. I'm now issuing out of my being, and I'm sending to earth. All of those who were in me before the foundation of the world, who were, who were destined, ordained to this salvation, chosen, the, the elect before the foundation of the world. So before God said, let there be life, you were in, your life was in him. And that is why God had to, Jesus had to send his spirit back home. Because you all were in the spirit. We all were in that spirit. And so in him, so he sends the spirit back home, and the soul he takes to hell to do business with the darkness and to recover those that were lost. See, many people, you know, I can't get people to say, I do. And I get them to say, don't even have an altar call. I, I sometimes forget. You know, I mean, the word is so rich and everybody's so caught up. I, and so sometimes I'll get one of my ministers to get them and say, yeah, you know, well, before we leave, this is really deep. Let's, get, let's just make sure we feel this. I don't have a problem with that. My job is to present the issue and to present the solution. And salvation is the solution. So, but the problem is you get saved. You fall in love with Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful guy. He treats you like a baby. She's a little baby carrying you on the hip and carrying on. It's wonderful, isn't it? And then you go to church and you join the population. You join the citizens of his world. And that is where it gets special. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and so Colossians 2.19 does it this way, and not holding firmly to the head from whom all the body being supplied and knit together through the joints and ligaments grows with God's growth. Joints, ligaments, that means coming about that marrow, that marrow, joint and marrow. Okay. So you get to church and all of a sudden you have to decide who's your head. Is it my bishop? My pastor? Well, the pastor don't really see salvation like that. And so all those wonderful moments that you had when it was just you and the Lord, they're lost. If you look to the right, because the last thing we're going to do, if you look to the left, rather, you see the word cloud. We're going to go through that. But let's look at what makes you orphan. Where, when did the church become an orphanage? And, a, and the sad one is a hospice orphanage. Is that? Everybody's sick. Everybody home. Okay, trying to make it. Can't. Come on. So listen, us well, number one, we teach the kingdom without the king. If I didn't have any more, that would be sufficient. <laughs> number two, we literally preach salvation without the Savior. We let you. We mention Jesus. He gets an honorable mention to get you to, to come to the front, to come to the cross, and after that. It's all about theology. It's all about doctrine. It's all about your rights. It's all about your privileges. It's all about how you're great. It's all about you. We teach sovereignty without the sovereign. We tell you you're sovereign. The authority of the believer. And you have more sovereignty than Jesus Christ. And you live your life as if your authority authorizes you to violate him, to break his laws, and to literally humanize and colonize your salvation. It's all about you. We teach a liberty. You're free in Jesus. Yeah, you're so free in Jesus that you have wrenched yourself out of his control, out of his dominion, and you free him from caring for you. You free him from intervening for you, which is why you don't understand. I, I mean, I'm praying, I'm fasting. Look at you. Who are you praying to? Who oh, God you're praying to? Look at you. You showing up at the altar like that. You wouldn't show up in, in any royal place with that little thing on. You've been a painted from task for Nobody knows you ever had a task. You done put on all kinds of stuff. You, you, we literally promote a redemption without the Redeemer. Orphan, the ecclesial orphanage, the church is an orphan. It's Christless. We, we attempt justice without the judge. We're the judge. We, everything we do, we put ourselves in Jesus' place. And we, we, we furlough it. You know, he's all. We, we will put you to work when we get to heaven. When you get there. And when you get there, you'll find out he doesn't work. He works harder with us than anything, I'm sure. We want to. Ha- we, we talk about a life, and we separate you from the life giver. You don't need to read the Bible. You don't need to do anything but just believe God. Everything is that passive, static, just believe. Believe in what? You, t- you, you define your Christianity as your faith. 
not your existence. To you, it's your faith. You define your, your, your literal uh, reaction to God as your, your Christian experience. What is that? What is a Christian experience? You, you shouldn't even have a Christian experience. You should have a Christ experience. Now, you can have a church experience. Which is why we ended up with people being angry with church because they confused church with Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't have an experience. I am hid in Christ. I died. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I deal with a man. You're dealing with some fumes. I don't even know where you get those fumes from. You got the religious fumes. <laughs> you know, you, that's why we got, you, you, trust me, look at it. You go to churches, they got incense fumes. That's religious fumes. You want to know why they have incense burning? Smoke and machine they carrying on? Because they don't have a, the man ain't showing up. So we got to convince the people that he's breathing in you. <laughs> and we got this machine in the back with billows. <laughs> Y'all too. She's she still, she blown away. She can't even document. <laughs> you don't realize that. Why do we have smoking mirrors? Because you, Jesus is not showing up to you. You have to artificially, artificially pretend to be him like the rock stars do. You don't expect Jesus to show up on the rock star thing, but you do kind of expect him to show up in church. But why are we taking their machines to bring them into our church? Isn't that something? It's not even original. It's always copycat. When you are out of Christ, all you can do is copy. Devils copy each other. Okay? We perpetuate the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we tell you that. We tell you that if we say your prayers, or if, listen, now the latest thing is, let's just make our body whole. You mean that's what's going back to the death? You know your body ain't not going to heaven. God doesn't want it. Remember, we started this conversation out. We said that's not the body that God gave. And Adam all died, and Christ all should be made alive. And we should be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We are so busy living by the laws of men, the commandments of men, that we are deluded in the thinking that if we run a mile and run 10 miles and don't eat this and don't eat that, that it assures our eternal life. No, it doesn't. It just assures you might have a long life. But now we got young people running miles and dropping days. Clearly, God is making a statement. And then lastly, we want law without the lawgiver. We want to, we literally want, you know, this is a good thing. Oh, let's kiss me. That's a good thing. Get out of me. Come on, Jesus. Hey. Uh-uh. Go, girl. Uh-uh. 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 So here we are at this stage, crisis. Ask yourself, when last you had a kingdom teacher teach you about the king? How often, how long? He gives honorable mentions. You have to separate Jesus' honorable mentions from him, his full discussion or presentation. When you think Savior, you, what is it? Your Savior is your choice, right? You define the terms and conditions of your Savior and, how, and your salvation. Sovereign, first of all, Two-thirds of the church can't stand father. Please don't talk stuff. What do you mean God's in charge? Are you kidding me? He's not here. I'm here. I had a man tell me, I'm hitting the clock every day. 
I'm paying these bills. I'm doing. He said it. I said, you know what I said? <laughs> By the time he got down the list, we were at three, two, one. But I think, but so brother, again, he was selling from the trunk of his car. God is like, well, if you're doing it, do it. And I have to let you go back. You can understand that I'm the only one who can do it. Church doesn't like something. Does not appreciate something. Because sovereign means you have to answer to Jesus, accountable to him, do things his way on his terms. And sovereignty is probably the most agonizing lesson you will ever learn because God is fixed. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Ecclesiastes Solomon says, whatever the Lord does, it shall be forever. I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled. And then we've got the Redeemer piece. But we redeemed to be free. God redeemed me from the curse of the law for me to be prophet, for me to wear raggedy clothes, for me to still sleep around, for me to still talk. Come on. He redeemed me to be as trashy as I've always been. So redemption is something that God, you know, it's, an, it's a God ideal. Nobody can live God's ideal. Right. Judge. Who is it to judge me? We judge according to what? We judge according to appearance. We got to judge righteous judgment, but we judge according to opinion. We judge right. Well, this is my friend. Well, they gave me some money. They must love Jesus. Are you kidding me? Bribers give you money all the time so you take all yours or bind you up to their money. You don't realize how we don't have righteous judgment. Well, I can judge because so-and-so told me. God said, you know, my prophet don't have to learn this. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, he will not judge according to the... Hearing of his ears or the seeing of his eyes, he will judge righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? The word. He says to Joshua, this word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You will always judge according to the flesh if you're not meditating in the word day and night. You need it to wake up and you need it to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And you, while you sleep, God is going to use what you read to prepare you for the next day. Life giver. We, are you kidding? We live our life the way we want. Jesus, what do you mean? This is my life. I live it the way I want. I behave the way I want. I make my own decisions. I, I'm the master of my own faith. Again, authority of a believer. And then lastly, lawgiver. We want law without the lawgiver. But the Bible says that the law will be upon his shoulders. The government of God rest on God's son's shoulders. Now, he's the head. He's got a neck. What is his shoulder? The ministry. And so, the, and it said, of the increase of his what? Does anybody remember the scripture? Righteousness and peace? There should be none. The increase of his government. God's law increases when we increase in him when we begin to think like him. So let's just see where we are. Let's see where we are. Thank you. So what does orphan Christianity look like? I mean, we're off. We're the orphans. He said, I will not leave you orphans. Jesus came, and you know what we're doing? We're ignoring him. We're dismissing him. We dismiss you, Jesus, like you do the house service. We dismiss you. You're dismissed, like you do an unsatisfactory employee. You're dismissed. We dismiss you from your job, meaning you're fired. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. It's not showing on the screen. Yeah, I did. I shouldn't have. Oh, thank you. 
Okay, guys, just a minute. You're going to have fun. I'm so jealous. I might need a sticky. Yeah. All right. Is it on the screen? All right. So, first of all, I want to, to, this is just to give you a sense of headless ecclesia. The headless ecclesia. The ecclesia without the head. Remember, we don't have the king. We don't have the savior. We don't have the sovereign. We don't have the redeemer. We don't have the life giver, and we don't have the law giver because we don't need Jesus. And, and, and what's so sad is that that is a Western thing. You know, Western um, families are quick to separate. As soon as that kid gets of any kind of age, they are no longer considered worthy of the household. And they are programmed to think that parents lose their purpose and effectiveness in their life. That carries over to the church. So the same way you did your mama, I'm sorry, I'm grown. You can't tell me what to do. You're doing that to Jesus. The same way you told your dad, I'll make it on my own. I don't need you. That's what you're telling Jesus. See, it's the same spirit. You may be saying it differently, and in your mind, you're narrowly applying it to the humanity, to the flesh. But in reality, you have kicked him out of your life. And you told, and now, and you have put, have literally reassigned him to emergency services. He's your crisis Christ. Wow. If you have a crisis, you need him. Otherwise, let him leave, leave you alone. And then you get upset because in your mind, you're listening to your pastor and your church present some 30-year-old who's trying to make it in and not the eternal Lord of glory. Most of you older people think Jesus is too young to do anything for you. Understand, he's not aging, but you are. So much for your majority. You can't stop yourself from aging. Sin was thrown on him. He went to hell, jumped it, went back home, and still stays youthful and gorgeous. Sin get on us. We need the emergency, and we need to be in the hospital. We're on the clinic thing, on our great thing. What we don't preach is the reality of salvation and the reality of sin. That old, that soul is old. Your new creation spirit is new, young, ageless, deathless. You can enjoy it if you could ever get a hold of it. That soul, except that the old man grows corrupt every day, and every sinful deed adds to his age. Oh, I got to say. There we go. So you have got to start recognizing your soul is what's killing you. And it can only stop killing you when your new creation spirit is strengthened and, and fortified with the word of God and the Holy Ghost. It then begins to tra- literally transmit life, the energy codes of God's eternal life to your soul, and they begin to go after those dark spots that are the sin, which are the darkness of all of those forces in there, and then it'll keep happening till eventually, what did Jesus say, the whole body becomes full of life. He's talking about the body. He wasn't talking about your human body. Your human body gets illuminated by your soul. He said, beware that the light in you is not darkness. 
But if you allow the light of the gospel to take over, to release itself from your spirit and to situate itself and to radiate itself into your soul, which you have to do by the word of God, because the, the word, God's word is what a light, is a lamp unto your feet. So the only way you can get light to their soul is God's word. Every other enlightenment is dim. And it's dim because it's still saturated with death. Because it's cursed. God cursed out of words. So any word that's not from him, he curses. <laughs> so so now we're talking about the headless ecclesia. So what does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is just your law. But say, we're out of God's orbit. Parentless. We, again, without the king, without the, the savior, without the sovereign, you understand we're parentless. And then... We're youngsters. We've never grown. The Bible said five four is that we've come into the maturity and the full measure and stature of the man Christ Jesus. Over and over again, Scripture is telling us to mature. That means I don't care about adults. I know that they somehow or another hear the definition of adult, which is the synonym for corrupt. One day it's going to show up for me because you cannot have adultery, which is corrupt. So they hear that. Because they had no other word. They didn't want to use mature because they need you to be grown. They didn't need you to be sensible. They need you to be impassioned with having your way. Yeah, I know. There's no way. Uh, we got adultery, but not adult. Whenever you put an E-R-Y on anything, it refers to that word. So that's why we have adult entertainment, and it's corrupt. We have adult habits. I'm corrupt is because it's corrupt. Why is everything labeled adult corrupted? So, you know, somebody hit it, you know, because I told you I got to go on those deep, deep, deep um, search engines. So, see, they did a lot to obsolete a lot of terms. And so I go to, I'm looking for, somebody needs to write the dictionary of obsolete terms. I better be this somewhere else. Somebody did it. But we've dismissed Jesus Christ. We've banded together against him. We expelled him from our consciousness and our deliberation. He's rejected. We avoid him. You ever want to get deep with Christ? You want to know when a person is operating under the orphan spirit? The first thing you do when you start when you deal with Christ, they avoid getting conversation. And they avoid you. Yeah, you're going to start that Jesus stuff. Yeah, that's because you're an orphan or a fake Christian. See, we have made, I think it's time out for us to stop, stop, stop excusing people because it's too deep for them. Jesus came and spoke the word to the masses. He had babies, he had infants, and you know what he did? He trusted the Holy Spirit to be the translator and to make it make sense. Minors, hey, Jesus is taboo. We can't mention him. We can't talk about him. You, there are certain churches. I had a woman in my church. Come and she, I don't want that much Bible. I was like, well, sweetheart, I don't know what you want because this is not Cosmopolitan's church. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Cosmo church. I mean, we got Cosmo church. This ain't it. Wow. We're inhibited, defective, outlaw. Literally, outlaw. Foster children. Everybody knows what happens when you're in the foster care system. It's a, it's a luck of the draw. Excluded, foundly, how about hindered? 
We block everything, Christ. We block it. Jesus tried to move. I'm going to churches, I told you. And, I, and, and not only going to churches, I've heard of churches where you can't prophesy. And you're sitting up in that church needing God to speak to you and hoping that a drop and a nugget will come through the sermon. I will not be in the church to tell me God can't speak. And I'm not going to be in a church where a preacher thinks he says more to say to me about my soul and my afterlife than a prophet. Hallelujah. Don't go pray for me, right? <laughs> this is a defective thing. We are defective as the people of God, full of defects. And that's in Scripture. And then, of course, youngster, immature. And we answer, when you are moving in this, you've suspended your Christianity. I mean, you've suspended the growth. You've suspended the, the uh, responsibilities, the duties, the harvest, the return, the dynamics, the process, procedures. You're just suspended. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And ultimately, my personal favorite, you stray. We stray off course. The New Testament talks about straying all the time. Hallelujah, teens come. New Testament talks about straying all the time. That we're straying away from the faith. Apostasy is straying from the faith. Apostasy is the end of straying. First you stray. Well, here's what happens. First you stray, then you wander, and then you apostatize. We don't talk about apostatizing. We bring those words back because, again, they said that's obsolete. No, it's not. The tree is not obsolete. That apostasy is And apostasy is the tree is the ecclesial tree. And we still be putting people in jail and trying to kill them. The tree. And you think God shouldn't do the same. Because you can't see God's way. It doesn't mean he has not one. Hey, you. Hey. Did you see we got stuff? I know. She has her own family. You know, I can tell her you have to pray for her. <laughs> got another one. So, so, so this is the conservation move on the part. Oh, well, you have to keep it alive. Conservation. We need two bells. I'm telling you, sometimes you don't always ring the bell. Well, you see, I, I had two rings. I didn't ring it on. She, she helped me. Yeah. And it's my cover. There you go. All right. Profit of deal. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. Okay, well, <laughs> as the as the uh, instructor for salvation and redemption, and Christ you, amen, amen. I I'm eating this up today, so we 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 can talk. We can talk about salvation. Well, yes, I facilitate that class because the lectures are yours. So, so that that's why I call oh, it. Really. <laughs> so, um, but I know I know if, if, if the students who just took that class are like, oh, okay, this is so good. But I have we got we have to talk about salvation. Can we talk about salvation? Your heart, your heart. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is because we really. I mean, I was I was definitely one of those persons as a kid that I I pretty much said this finished for like every year because so I wanted to make sure I was that kid. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, I just wanted to be sure. I mean, <laughs> this is the case last year. This is the case last year. I just wanted to jack it up. I'm just asking you again to say um, But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. It was like 10 years. Jesus was like, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you can stop saying it. Um, but, okay, okay. I need to know. We need to know. <clears throat> so, is there then salvation without the sinner's prayer? Because... In other words, can someone be transformed by God in an instant? They've never said the sinner's prayer. Because I've always wondered about this. I was literally in John 3 just a couple days ago. You know, Jesus talked about the fact that you've got to be born of water and the Spirit, which I would love for you to explain that phrase too, because I don't think we fully understand that. 
water and the spirit, so I would love for you to elaborate on that. But then at the end of John 3, when John the Baptist is speaking, he's talking about the fact that if you believe in the Son, he who believes in the Son has life. Who, he who did not believe in the Son is, uh, is already condemned. There's that whole piece on that, right? So then we have this whole sinner's prayer idea that we have to say the sinner's prayer and all these different things. So what constitutes salvation truly? Is it just that if you believe that Jesus is the Son, that you are saved, right? And then does that then belief have to turn into corresponding proof? Like we need to, our parents, we need to know because we out here on these streets, and we might not be saved. Was somebody else thinking the same thing? You out here on these streets, you think you're saved, you might not be. So then what is it? Okay? So it can all be clear. I was doing a show today. We the rest of Jesus is running the show, right? Okay, so Jesus, you're running the show. Let's see how you want to deal with it. First of all, I encourage you again to get my Sunday teaching. I covered this at length in my Sunday teaching. We even talk about the water, talk about the blood, etc. So, And I also make a statement. Can you be saved without saying the sinner's prayer? I never said a sinner's prayer, ever. I didn't know they had it. So I went to church, right? <laughs> but after I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I found out people had sinners' prayers. But the Bible says that we must believe, and belief is a heart thing. In other words, when this old heart starts begging for the power to believe and, and, and is willing to repent, is sorrowful over its sin, when this old heart is what gets it going and is and why? Because you have to repent. You don't repent with the new heart for the old sin. You repent with the new heart for the sins committed as a mortal being. Because you're mortal until the new birth. So I never said a sinner's prayer. I just said, I, I, my, I went to church one night, preach and preach. Are you effective in life? Would you believe that? And uh, But he, he was also preaching intelligent. I'm, I like intelligence. So he, he gave all of these intelligent facts about Jesus Christ. And I said, I want that. But I would, I would have told you, I would say, because I'm Baptist. Baptist folks want something. And who in the world? They open the doors of the church. They don't open you to Jesus. At least I didn't. I know some of them did, you know, but I didn't have one that did. And so he said, if you want more of Christ, come down. I came down because I wanted more of Jesus. I didn't think I did. I, I, I literally did not come because I thought I was the boy of Jesus. I was just getting, I was getting, you know, just put it up on top it off. I needed him to top it off.
I'm in this black hole tunnel. And in this tunnel, I mean, devils are whooping my behind. My back is cracking. Bones are going crazy. That's why I know they're getting everything. Honey, and I didn't know what to do. And so I simply remember my sister saying, if you don't know what to pray, just say Jesus. Because he said it's the name above every name. And anybody who calls on that name will be saved. Honey, I needed it. All I remember was Jesus. And out of nowhere in this black hole comes this glorious white smoke. And he spelled the name J-E-S-U-S. And all of a sudden, I'm back in the plane. I'm free. And I'm thinking, what? And so we were supposed to get some time. I didn't think I got it. I get up, hair twisted. <laughs> one shoe on, one shoe off. <laughs> twisted up like this, blouse button open. <laughs> All of it. All of it. Yeah, but not Okay? And I'm like, did it work? <laughs> yeah, work this fucking time. I did. Yeah. No, I didn't because I didn't hear it. I was just screaming. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't hear it. They oh, honey, them good old things. Man, I love those good things. Those things that got around me in the circle. Grabbed my hand and put me in the middle of that circle. Next thing, like they started praying in tongues. Next thing, you know, I am up. I'm back. Before I went down, now I'm going up. And it was amazing. Never said a sinner's prayer. Didn't want to go back to church because I was ashamed. Because that's how much pride I had. <laughs> Didn't want to go back to church. I went home that night. And it's kind of like Jesus kind of did like he did with the guy in John 9. He shows up. Okay. He said, um. First of all, all authority is given to me. He said, I don't care what your corporation says. I own all of this. I said, no, Jesus, because I'm, you know, now why do I know this? I don't know. We only have, we only been together seven good hours. I don't know. We don't even have seven years. You know, I'm hoping to make seven days. And so he said, all authority has been given unto me. He said, I'm the head of all authority, and I don't care what they tell you. He said, you know, I know it. I said, okay. And I started praying in tongues again, and then he gives me interpretation. He said, they're all going to know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, and from the greatest to the least. And I thought, wow, read my Bible, there's some scripture. I said, look at Jesus, talking Bible. I don't even know why that was new, but I'm new. So I never said it. From that moment on, God to the camp in my life took over. He showed up when he got ready. And I was saved a year earlier than that because I was in my house. Then we were getting put out of our house. I'm on my knees praying. And when I'm on my knees, Jesus comes to me personally. He's got this white robe on. He's got these brown sandals on. And I'm like, shoot. Shoot. And he touched my shoulder. And he said, you're dead in pain and you are not free. That mortgage company turned everything around like this. I said, Wow. But, and then I got the, at that time, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what it was. So I said, oh, my God, Jesus came and born crazy. Man, I touched me, I'm born crazy. But I'll tell you, I said, so that was March 1981. October 1982 is when he brings those two experiences. And got, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. After that, he showed up, he talked, all whatever. Never said a sinner's prayer. But let me tell you what I did do. So I'm reading my Bible, and I go to Second Kings and Manasseh. Mm-hmm. When I fell upon Manasseh, I wept tears of repentance like you wouldn't believe, because I would have told you I love Jesus. Sure. And it said Manasseh 
taught Israel to worship all the hosts of heaven. And then he takes me back to Deuteronomy, and he says, when you look up to the heaven, if you feel driven, and I was in astrology. Astrology was my thing. That's why I know astrology is up and down. I don't care what they tell y'all. I'm telling you they devils. And when you try to leave them, they're going to show you they devils. Because they're going to kick you behind if you don't have a Jesus. So, and so I, I, I was, I, when I say wept, I cried that guttural cry. When it's way down in your soul and God is shaking something out. And I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. I did not know. No one told me. I was in a church where they had astrology. They had everybody wonderful jewelry. Everybody had a sign. The preacher stood up with his little knee for a sign. He had one. The wife had one sign. The girlfriend had another. I mean, I was in all the church. I said, yeah, man, you're tough. Me and Tom Shackin talking about we going to help the church out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the midst of all that dirtiness and all that filth and all that sin, this man saved me and chose me. And he said, I chose you before the foundation of the world. All that I lived was to make sure that I would be where he needed me to be when it was my time to come into his boat. And that's where I am. So, yeah, the water, water speaks to the word. And it's synonymous. The reason he uses water is because embryos grow in what? Water. So you need to be constantly in that word. And then when baby comes out, the thing they don't want is water, but they need it. And then the blood, of course, we know blood speaks for itself. So um, to me, I never had a finished prayer. I have people that I may pray because they didn't want to declare it. They want to hide out and then be secret niggas in the Christmas. And I'm like, no, 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 y'all have to You're not going to treat him like a hotel one-night stand. Y'all going to come out here and come out for Jesus. That was just my – because I was always – I was always me, tough, determined, and if I, I told you, if I'm in, I was in, and God knew that. I said, God knows. He said, but when I get her, she's going to be mine, and she's not going to check, and he knew I would do it his way. That's the hardest part for most people, because you'll do what God says, but you won't do it his way. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Okay. That might take me. Yes, because my, my, my statement after that was then, it, it, there's a there's a fruit of salvation that has to be clear then. So you know it, it, we we know just from doing your course, it's beyond much more beyond the confession because we, we the, now the confession has just become cosmetic. Yeah. We're just doing it. You know what I mean? But um, I just love that and love hearing your story too. Then ultimately, it, it's got to be the fruit of you talk about one of the fruit of repentance, right? The change. So he not, he proved that he gripped your life. You've never left him. You know. So clearly there was a transformation that happened. Well, you know, people can say they repent, but Paul has, in Second uh, Corinthians, has a whole program, indicators, measurements for your repentance. And so God taught me two things. First thing he taught me was bear fruits of repentance. And that the fruits of repentance are the fruits of righteousness. We love the fruit of the Spirit. We don't read the next verse that says the fruit of the Spirit is in all righteousness, goodness, and truth. See, that's in there, too. We don't you know, And so you can tell God all day long, but God and his citizens have looked at sin a long time. Get it out of their world. You cannot seduce God's people with your deception, even if you're self-deceived. So he said we must bear fruit of repentance. The second thing he said that meant chasing, chasing, he said it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. 
when John did not want to baptize his maker. I mean, I'm just with John. I'm just like, Like Abraham had two sons, but what the 
know Sarah will give you a son. So, and then we come down the line, and it's always that woman because they had a, um, the society was very, uh, what was bigger. You could have as many wives as you wanted. So in order for God to distinguish who the kid is and what a kid would do, and, and, and who would be the who would define what God had it? God had to put it on the woman. So I always say that you know, like right now, you know, our business side devils always want you to lose your virginity young. They want you to have kids right away. They want you to sleep around, etc. Because the firstborn belongs to the parental God, the Father's God, and if you don't know that person's family tree, uh, it's a coin toss. Next. Mm-hmm. Does that help you? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. That's a question, too. Uh, I like the piece where you talked about not wasting your emotions, budgeting your emotions, and how the drive culturally now is all emotional. <coughs> they store up your emotions to, to have rash decisions, campaigns are about getting you worked up. We see this in, with the whole uh, political front just people inflamed all over the place. We talked about this yesterday. Can't even articulate why they think what they think one way or another because we have uh, raised the level of validity of emotion mm-hmm. to be more genuine than thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's because I feel it, because I'm passionate, because I'm on fire. And when, when confronted with rationale, still won't hear it. No. It's like, well, all I know is, all I feel is, well, this is just what I'm sticking to. Mm-hmm. Well, we have assigned the emotions to do the job of the intellect. Mm-hmm. And that is where the work begins. Now, why would we do that? The same reason we're building hospitals all over, the same reason we're building all of these behaviors hospitals and whatnot. Why? Because emotions guarantee sickness. Emotions guarantee soul sickness. Because they do away with all of the guardrails, all of the parameters, all of the protectors and the guardians of the soul. And that the whole purpose is that the brain literally serves as the gatekeeper and the guardian of the soul. That's what your brain's supposed to do. So we, we educate your brain and then but we don't educate the emotions. So when you and right now when you look at it, I mean it's not hard to see the value of emotion to the to the deterioration of a society. It's not hard to see. We are awash in illogicalness. We are awash in impulsiveness. We are awash in literally passion, you know, irrational passion, which makes you selfish. You know, passion makes you selfish. Mm-hmm. So we're awash in passion. Everybody's passionate about what they believe and passionate about how they believe and all of that. We are washing that because as long as you have feelings, you have no measurements, you have no, no conduit, all you have is expression and observation. And those are up to private interpretation. So we have to have this whole list. Psychology has taken over the detriment and the destruction of the soul in the guise of feeling it. Why? How do I know that? Because it's turned very ancient. It's very Asiatic now. We're talking about Buddha. We're talking about all of the Eastern religions that God struggled with way back when he had a single nation. Now this tactic is taking over and spreading through to, uh, to the global nations of the world to bring us to the end. 
So as long as, because see, you can't do a lot with a thinker because a thinker is going to ask you too many questions. Right. A feeler is going to expound a lot of sentiment, a lot of experiences. So feelers are experiential. This is how I, this is what I feel, and they've been taught. You sit down with a psychologist, and what the first thing they ask you, what, what, how do you feel about that? Right. Not what do you think or where did you get the thought from, how do you feel about it? Because they want to start on, to them, the point of beginning to guarantee subjection, to guarantee enslavement is feeling. And so, but, but in God's world, the feelings were to, were to uh, um, impassion the intellect, but the intellect was to regulate the feeling and really regulate it in, with, with logic and intelligence. Remember, in the beginning was not the heart. In the beginning was the word. Huh. Not the sentiment, not the feeling. So Satan understands the law of opposites. If we just invert everything Christ, we will guarantee ourselves a wonderful population in hell. And, and, and we will guarantee ourselves a humanity that will not resist us, that will not fight us, that will literally trust us to lead them right on to the primrose path. Because they don't have to think. I mean, we, what do we have in the church? We don't think. Uh-uh. Just put, leave your brain in the car. Who says that but a devil? Right. That's an intellectual devil. Who says that but the devil? And we, I mean, how many of such sermons have we heard? Yeah. Uh-uh. Don't, you, don't, uh, don't overthink it. Yeah, but I'm going to overfeel it. That's right. Now, I can't, even, I can't even plug these feelings into anything because feelings are fluid. They're like water. You don't stop water. And if you let water sit there long enough, it'll stop moving, it'll begin to stink, and then it'll go from stinking to rotting. Yeah. Feelings of water. Don't they say that? Feelings of fluid because the soul is fluid. The spirit that gives life is not. It's solid. Because you can't press through a spirit. You can't press through God. So, don't, I mean, so the whole strategy, I like that you brought it up. Thank you for doing so. But the entire strategy is to get you out of their mind and get them freely established in yours. So then their thoughts become your feelings. You know, I've had that. I've been in my house. The devil was sitting there doing some stuff, some sort of work. And first of all, I thought, y'all just, okay. But, and he said, I'm tired of doing this, and you need to leave. All right. And after those three minutes, you need to leave. So you're trying to throw thoughts in my mind and use the power of suggestion to get me to abandon and quit what God wants me to do because I'm good at it. I'm a problem for you. And I mean, the thing had to learn to sign it. Why don't you leave? Unless you're going to read, you should leave. So you think all of that's you. If the first one isn't you, everyone thereafter is. Ah, Lord. Do you have any more? Either one of them. Oh, yeah. So, the earlier statement that you made about the heaven not being pure in God's eyes. Don't you love? I love that. Uh, that comes, y'all, from Joe 15 15. So, I love oh, that. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Did you look up the one about the stars? <laughs> none of them is he I didn't say that one. Did anyone else find that one? Look at the one of the stars. He said, in Isaiah, I do know it's in Isaiah. And so, but when you look at that, Job 
Now, it's because Job gives you a lot of pearls if you pay attention. A lot of pearls you wouldn't get any other way. And I'm thinking, wow, Job, you and God, y'all had a visit. But I want you to, when I studied Job one night, you said 15, 15, 15. Okay. Uh, and look at, no, it's interesting, look at what we're saying. Verse 12, why does thine heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? Thou, that thou turnest thy spirit against God and let such words go out of thy mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's a, a common thread throughout Scripture. But here, what is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. That's a We can look at all of this. And then 15, behold, he puts no trust in his saints. And he's not, we, this is Job, so we don't exist here. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. I was like, what? And if you look at another one, so he charges his angels with earth. Mm-hmm. I said, but we think the angels are perfect. Because that was, well, if they're going to be messing against us, they are pretty good. <laughs> However, and the one we talk, but see, we have to pay attention. And so as God developed me, God brought me into his logic, his logos. So I had to come into He said, so then what is this and what is this and what is that? Because God is refuting what those spirits use. Well, how does God know this? I mean, after all, it's just happening to us because it happened to them. He locked it. He registered it. He noted it. That's what his archives contain. We can't find the book of the wars of the Lord. You know why? Because they weren't just earthly wars. They were cosmic wars. So we don't know where the book of where is Brother Josh in the book of, we don't know. But God has been warring with these things forever, and so he has established a system where he allows those fallen beings and their institutions to affect everything he's going to have. I think that's a good place to end this All right, let's go ahead and take the offerings right now. So Rachel's going to put on the screen, if you're watching via Facebook, the different ways that you can give today. You want to give via text to give. That's going to be 918-203-6625. For those of you who are catching this on YouTube, 918-203-6625 is how you can do text to give. So if you're giving me a credit or debit card, that's the fastest way to do that. You're going to type in the amount you'd like to give to that number that we provided, and it's going to give you back a message and tell you how to give. If you wanted to give me a Cash App or PayPal, then Dr. Price's handle on Cash App is Dr. Paul Price, no spaces, and then paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. This was amazing today. Uh, Dr. Price mentioned a few times today to go back and listen to Sunday. So listen to Sunday, go back so you can really understand salvation, really understand the water and the blood. I want to encourage you, if, while you guys are giving, I'm going to give you a moment to give. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been catching this pedigree series on the blood, on who we are, you've got to go back and catch this. If you're new to the show today, if you're watching from all the different areas, I know Apostle Ash has let you know to let us know where you're watching from. So let us know again where you're watching from. I'm watching because that's the Price of the Word Network. Or I'm watching because on YouTube or whatnot. But let us know how you're watching. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to give. That's such an important part of this process. And become a partner with us at takingiton.com. You can partner with this program to get it around the world, takingiton.com.